0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Tung Sido Focus. My name is Steve Paterini, and I will be your host today. This is our third episode, and the topic today will be warm-ups and stretching, uh, getting prepared for training in Tungso Do, as it were. I have been a student at Middlesex Tung Academy in Old Sabre, Connecticut since the late 90s and uh, through those years I've learned a lot about getting ready to train and to compete and other things like that and there's certainly some, uh, some steps that we can take to try to increase our performance and prevent injuries and that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we get too deep into warm-ups and stretching, uh, we always talk about preparation. And uh, the preparation for training in Tung Sido might actually begin before you even leave your house. And uh, depending upon your age and your abilities and your history of injuries, and uh, yes, I might be speaking more directly to some of the older listeners here, myself included, uh, the preparation required for you just to get your feet on the floor in the dojung and, and have a successful training session uh, might be pretty elaborate uh, what you have to do to make that uh, make that happen. I can remember at a certain period of time I had uh, knee issues and I had back issues and so half an hour before I was getting ready to leave to go uh, train at the dojung, I would take a long hot shower with the uh, hot water pouring down on my lower back where I had my uh, worst problems there. And then uh, slathering it up with Tiger Balm or Icy Hot, some kind of a uh, liniment like that. Uh, <clears throat> putting the same sort of treatment on my knees and uh, wearing uh, compression bands on my knees and uh, <clears throat> taping up ankles or taping up toes that might have been a uh, suspect or uh, compromised by certain injuries. And uh, honest to goodness, I would have to spend a, a good 20 minutes to a half hour before even going out the door. And uh, then I'd finally get to the, uh, the school where I'd tie my belt and uh, get my uniform on and then get out on the floor and begin the rest of the stretching process. Um, I personally like to change at the dojong and uh, you know some places don't have as good a facility for changing and they expect you to come fully dressed in uniform. Um, something to me is very uh, ceremonial. Uh, there, there's, there's very, uh, I don't know quite how to describe it, but something about going into the changing room taking off my my work clothes or, you know, my leisure clothes, putting on my dough buck and tying it and tying the knot around my belt, pulling it tight, and then stepping out of the changing room and bowing onto the floor. Uh, Something about that just is very uh, special to me to put me in that that tungsa do mindset. I think the word I was looking for was ritual. Um, You know, ceremony, I think, was what I used before, but I think it's more of a ritual to me. Uh, a habit, a certain sequence of doing things. And to me coming in the, uh, the door, bowing onto the floor in my street clothes, of course, with my shoes removed, uh, going through the changing room, putting on my uniform there. Uh, I find a very important part of my training a ritual. Uh, but of course, if, uh, you come fully dressed and ready to go, uh, no one's going to fault you for that either. Um, you know, I certainly have seen parents with their kids, uh, tagging along after them and, uh, in the local grocery store, wearing their belts and their, uh, their uniforms. And and that's fine. And, and, and needs must as you need to, uh, whatever it takes for you to get to class on time and, uh, and and begin your training. And while we're talking about uniforms, uh, subject of hygiene comes up, I guess. And, you know, certainly during a typical Tungusado workout, you are going to get sweaty and your feet are going to be on a mat that you share with many other feet that, uh, As much as we remove our shoes and leave them outside of the training area, uh, those mats get pretty dirty, even when they're cleaned on a regular basis. So, uh, you know, part of the the respect you show your classmates and uh, your school, um, well, one, come with a clean uniform. Uh, Certainly, you know, you can... Uh, you, use a uniform you've trained in before, as long as it's uh, you know not too ripe and uh, won't be <laughs> offensive smelling to the people around you. Uh, you don't necessarily need to wash it every single time, but in the summer or if you're sweating, I know after sparring classes I walk out and uh, I could just about wring out my uh, my dobok top. And you know if that's the case, then yeah, chuck it in the laundry. And uh, you know certain schools and uh, <clears throat> certain classes they allow you to uh, train in it. your belt your uh, karate pants and a t-shirt and that's a little more convenient to take care of but uh yeah you know, if you come to a class and there's ketchup stains on your dough or uh you know just uh, whatever stains on your uh your, your your karate pants uh that's just not very good and uh almost disrespectful so uh course you know if laundry day is is friday and it's thursday night you know don't not come to class because your uniform might have a little dirt on it but overall you should be coming with a relatively clean uniform and again a clean you if you had spent all day uh, you know working construction outside on a ladder somewhere sweating all day then you know you probably wanted to take a shower before coming to train anyway but uh, you know again you don't want to knock over the people you're training with uh, when you have to get together and and uh, put hands on each other host and soul or ill sue sick uh, training so in any event uh, you know it's nice to come with a clean uniform and a relatively uh, clean body another thing you might want to pay attention to is the length of your toenails which I know is, sounds a little bit off the wall here but I can remember uh, testing for uh, one of my uh, Shodan bow tests, uh, black belt candidate, and a fellow I was sparring with, a young teenager—not young teenager—he's about 17. Uh, hey, listen, we're a kicking art. Uh, Tung Sudo is known for their kicks, and uh, if you've got the flexibility, certainly head kicking. And uh, Jason totally uh, didn't mean to, but uh, he threw a roundhouse kick that came a little too close, and his toenail cut the top of my eyelid and started bleeding into my eye during a showdown bow test and uh, luckily it wasn't too bad and I was able to to stench the bleeding and finish the test but uh well it's just kind of gross and too you just want to make sure that you're not uh smashing your toes uh when you're uh kicking the bag or pads and uh and certainly you wouldn't want to cut one of your classmates with a uh long toenail so uh keep keep a good uh good care of your feet uh certainly uh calluses and things like that can become a problem as well. Uh, cracking, splitting and all that manner of stuff. But, uh, I think keeping your toenail short would, uh, be certainly something that I would recommend for people that are training in tung so in the last episode, I went over the protocol involved in getting a class started, with the bowing and meditation and paying respect to the senior students. And uh, shortly after that, the uh, most senior student or instructor might turn the class over to a uh, lower-ranked student to conduct the warm-ups. Um, that's a good way to allow those uh, newer leaders in your school to have the chance to uh, exhibit some leadership and practice and. Uh, you know, get a little bit of experience being in front of a uh, crowd of people which as we know is uh, one of the greatest fears of most people is speaking in front of a crowd or uh, being up in front of a, a room full of people looking at you for uh, instruction or direction. Um, so that's a uh, common thing sometimes the head instructor including Quanjin and Volker will run us through the warm-ups uh, depending upon the mood they're in or whether they have other things to take care of uh, off the mat or off the floor of the dojang and uh typically, we're going to start out slow, obviously, and warm up. Uh, <clears throat> I've been at schools where, uh, you know, jumping jacks, a little bit of running in place, some sort of thing to get your heart beating and maybe break a little sweat first is uh, is involved. Uh, certainly nothing wrong with that. You don't want to exert yourself too much when you're cold, uh, but typically the stretching process, I would say, uh, begins, uh, at least in our case, with a full body stretch since it's a full body uh, workout that we do. Um, Things like rotating the head and stretching out the neck and the shoulders, uh, crossing the arms, twisting, uh, circling the hips, circling the knees, bending down, touching the toes, reaching for the sky, uh, stepping out to the side and doing uh, lunging stretches and straddle stretches and such. Uh, But again, it's going to vary from place to place. Uh, Certainly uh, two different uh, specific types of stretching would happen. Uh, one being dynamic stretching, where you're uh, you know, in motion and doing things like uh, you know swinging your legs up and down to stretch out your hamstrings, uh, doing things like that. And then there's going to be a little more static stretching, holding a pose for a, a long period of time. Uh, you know, perhaps a hurdler stretch, uh, traditionally done in a, in a lot of sports. And uh, you know, it's going to vary from person to person, uh, your ability to do these things but mostly you want to take a good 10, maybe 15 minutes, uh, get your body warm, stretch your muscles out because uh, throughout the course of the class, there's a pretty good chance that you're gonna strain those muscles in some way and you don't want to have any injuries. I think in the last episode, I had a little sidebar comment toward the end about how uh, there's uh, a beneficial time After class is over after you've been bowed out and dismissed from the class where you're warm and sweaty and uh, That's a good time to do a little extra stretching or uh, work on some techniques that you were uh, trying to uh, Improve upon during that class or correct some mistake you had been uh, had been pointed out to you Um, Hey, there's a period of time before class that could be beneficial and uh, sometimes people will show up to 10, 15 minutes early for class and you see them out in the lobby hanging out, chatting and socializing, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, or sometimes I'll see students standing off to the side of the dojo uh, off the mat while the current class is going. And they're just standing there. And I'm thinking to myself, goodness gracious, you know, stretch, at least stretch, if not work on a form or work on something. And uh, if you can begin class... Uh, wet, as we like to say, sweaty, a little warmed up, uh, maybe with a a bit of a a lead on your stretching over the people that are just walking in at the last minute and uh, catching up with the rest of the class. Um, That's going to be to your advantage. And, uh, Depending upon your situation, again, if you're a a teen or a child who you could say, uh, you know, hey, mom, dad, you know, the the class is at 6:30. Drop me off at 6:15. I want to stretch out and warm up a little bit first. Um, That gives you a good chance, and maybe you could ask a a senior class member who is also there uh, ahead of class for some guidance or some advice, or to watch you do your form or a technique and give you some feedback. Um, Those are the moments I really, uh, I really think are, are what separate really good Tung students from the rest of the pack. Um, I always like to say that you know, training uh, happens during class, you know, that, that is our lesson. Uh, but just like if you were a musician, if, you, if you're a, a kid in the, the school band uh, and you don't practice outside of the lesson you have, the instruction you have with your uh, band teacher, um, you're not going to do very good when it's recital. Uh, you need to put in that time outside of the lesson, outside of the training. So to me, I've always said uh, training happens during class and practice happens before or after class or, you know, perhaps at home in your basement, in your bedroom, in your garage, your back deck, your backyard, whatever. But uh, if you're not putting in extra time outside of the, uh, the time between bows and during class, uh, you're probably not uh, progressing in the way that you should be. And if you've ever wondered, like, wow, that guy's really good, or that that girl, look at the way she's kicking. I wonder what. Well, maybe maybe they're just putting in a little extra practice time uh, outside of the training that you see them at. So, just a little thought there. Now, I assure you that I am a loyal Tung Sudo practitioner, and uh, that being said, I have had the opportunity to train with uh, many other martial artists across many disciplines uh olympic judo judges and uh actual ufc champions uh including a fellow by the name of bill superfoot wallace who was a professional kickboxer back in the 80s and early 90s who uh actually was undefeated in his career as a professional and uh was legendary for his kicking ability and i remember Hanging out with him after the seminar and a bunch of us, of course, were all gathered around trying to soak up any wisdom he might have for us. At the time, he was probably in his 60s and uh, doing some pretty impressive splits and stretches and putting his forehead on his knee on either side and such. And uh, he talked about the three T's of uh, stretching and they were uh, time, tension and temperature. And so might not be in that order, but sounds like temperature would be first where you got to be warm. And uh, as I'm recording this, it happens to be uh, July and <laughs> in the middle of a historic heat wave here in New England. And uh, it's certainly easier to stretch in the summer than it is in the winter. But, you know, warming up, being sweaty, uh, having that the that, that body temperature elevated certainly allows your muscles to stretch more easily. So that would be the temperature. And then the tension, of course, we go for, uh, you know, extending that stretch in, literally stretching those muscles to the point of discomfort, not injury. Uh, but stretching is not really a comfortable thing. If you're doing it correctly, it should be a, a little bit of discomfort there. Um, and then the time. So you get into that position and you hold that stretch and uh, you know, just holding it for a few seconds isn't going to work. You hold it for a, a longer duration of time. Uh, often you'll find that uh, your body will release a little bit and so you'll be holding a stretch and if you hold it for uh, 10 15 20 seconds all of a sudden you'll notice you can go a little further and if you relax and breathe and again it's not pretty comfortable at that point but uh give it a few more minutes. And again, with that, that warmth in your body, because you're already sweating and warmed up, you might find that, uh, you know, exhaling and giving it another few seconds, and then you release and you'll find that you can stretch even a little further. So time, temperature and tension are the three T's of stretching. And I always remembered that from that seminar with Superfoot Wallace so many years ago. So as I mentioned a minute ago, stretching can be uh, uncomfortable, certainly, Um, and I find that to many young people, particularly teenagers, uh, it's very boring and tedious practice, and uh, they give it a half-hearted effort at best. Um, A lot of them at their youthful ages, uh, particularly young ladies for some reason, have ridiculous flexibility uh, innately without being uh, forced to do the amount of stretching that uh, the older adults in the room might have to do to... uh, achieve the same results um but i've always noticed that it's those kids uh call them kids teenagers but also you know younger children uh 10 and below uh the ones that really put the effort into their stretching routine uh, those are the ones that you see really becoming the leaders really becoming the uh the champions at the tournaments and uh, the ones that impress you most when it comes through a testing cycle. Uh, there's something to be said for doing those, uh, you know, what they call the dirty work. Um, you know, there's a famous football coach who said uh, something about playing to his football players, saying something about, you know, this is why you lift all those uh, those heavy weights. Uh, I'm paraphrasing there, but uh, same thing. You know, we want to stretch so we can kick high. We want to stretch so we can have that extra area of targeting when we're sparring and be able to go head height and not just body height. It gives us one more tool in our arsenal when we're sparring somebody. Uh, It makes our forms look better when we can extend those kicks to a much higher height. Um, And it's just more athletic and uh, a better workout. So the stretching is really important to achieve that. I would also say that stretching uh, would increase your speed. Uh, You know, tension is the enemy of speed. And so the more flexible, the more relaxed, you are uh, you know, I think Tom Brady likes to use the word pliable, um, which I think might be something slightly different, but it's in the in the neighborhood of, of being flexible and uh being fast, t- tense and fast uh, don't seem to go together. So uh, I would say the stretching is gonna increase your speed of your technique. It's going to increase the uh, the height or the distance you can throw a technique, particularly a uh, kicking technique. And uh, again, even as young people, but certainly as you uh, get out of your uh, teens and into your 20s, uh, you're, you're gonna find injuries if you're a training martial artist. Um, Truth is, you're going to find injuries if you're a soccer player or if you play, uh, you know, <laughs> basketball league uh, at the Y or something. But... Um... Again, having that flexibility and that consistent stretching routine is likely to prevent a lot of injuries you might otherwise find uh, visited upon you. And uh, you know, I've had all sorts of pulled muscles before. Uh, they're not fun, and uh, if they could have been prevented with a little bit of extra stretching, and um, I had a time machine, I'd go back and make sure I did that extra little effort there to. Uh, get those muscles more pliable and allow me to uh, continue training because, uh, again, as you get older and if you're a more mature listener <laughs> of this podcast, you'll know what I mean is uh, oftentimes uh, my level of exertion might not be 100% because I want to be able to train in a few days, not in a few months. And uh, sometimes, you know, youth has its uh, has a certain resiliency to it where they can push themselves a little further. Uh, as an older practitioner, you need to uh, defend your body and prepare your body in a, a, a more uh, thorough way and stretching is definitely uh, a, a good key to that and just a little word about cross training and doing other activities that might benefit your tung training um you know there's uh certainly in the fall it's a uh, football and soccer season and in the winter it's basketball wrestling and in the spring it's uh track and baseball and lacrosse. But uh, as Master Volker likes to say, uh, it's always Tungusado season. In other words, we're a uh, a sport, an art, uh, an athletic endeavor that happens uh, 52 weeks a year, uh, 365 days a year. We are uh, available for training. Uh, There's no season to it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Although certainly uh, in the spring and fall, it seems there's a certain uh, tournament um, centric Uh, emphasis in our training, uh, trying to get ready for uh, sparring and uh, performing our forms, maybe breaking or weapons competition. But I would say that uh, certainly Tungso is a year-round thing, but there's nothing wrong with playing baseball, basketball, soccer, uh, doing things like that. Um, And the benefits of Tung Su Do, I think often translate better to those activities than the benefits from those activities translating back to your Tung Soo Do training. Um, I think, uh, anybody who's done those, uh, those sports would agree with me, but, uh, I would just say, uh, you know, certainly, uh, to you young people, to you middle school, high school students, um, you know, might be the only chance you get to play baseball with your friends and, uh, compete on a high level. So, uh, I wouldn't want to take that away from you, but I would say that, uh, you know, don't lose your focus on Tung Su Try to get your classes in and, uh, you know, try to avoid preventable injuries that will take you off the dojang floor uh, as well as out of your game in your uh, particular sport. Um, to our older uh, students, I might recommend, uh, you know, yoga, Pilates, uh, things like that. Um, when I first started training in Kung Fu back in college, my first semester of Kung Fu, I doubled up my phys ed requirements, and I also took yoga, and my stretch improved uh, my ability to uh, to extend my kick higher and uh, touch my toes, and all those other things that I had never been able to do in years past. Uh, boy, the growth was amazing by adding in yoga, which, as uh, most of you should know, is a very gentle form of stretching, breathing. Being aware of your your body, which actually sounds a lot like what we do in martial arts as well. So I I sometimes will say that yoga and martial arts are almost like cousins, even though we're probably the more the more violent and aggressive uh, cousin of those two. But uh, yeah, it's always good. Uh, Certainly, we've had uh, practitioners that are uh, runners, uh, you know, jog or run uh, regularly. People that hit the gym and uh, you know. Uh, do weight training. Nothing wrong with that. Again, as long as you're being careful not to, uh, to have injuries rack up with you. But I think, uh, you know, if you were to look for a mind, body, spirit, whole body workout, uh, you'd have to look pretty hard to find something that's going to work as good as tung Do. So uh, those other things are great, but I would like you to keep your focus on tung Do uh, as it were. And just one more thought on stretching before I let you go from this podcast is uh, I think consistency is the key to good flexibility and uh, an important aspect of your stretching and warming up routine. Um, It would be far better for you to stretch five minutes every day of the week than to spend 30 minutes stretching twice a week. Uh, I think that uh, the, the regularity, the consistency of stretching is going to help to keep you healthier and uh, help you f- keep the gains you've had and, and keep you from losing any of the flexibility you've worked so hard for. I, I mentioned before it's easy to get that uh, little extra bit of uh, stretch in the summer and in the winter as our bodies and our, our, our uh, <laughs> homes and uh Everything else get much colder. We tend to tense up, and it's hard to maintain that flexibility. But consistently stretching, doing some yoga, uh, doing some uh, some stretches every day in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, uh, outside of class, as well as obviously during your uh, your training sessions, uh, is going to benefit you greatly uh, throughout your <coughs> career in Tung Sudo. wow that uh, 24 minutes went by pretty fast for me i hope they went just as fast for you and i hope you were maybe able to uh glean some uh useful information from my ramblings on uh, stretching warming up and preparing for training in Sido. i want to thank you for listening to the podcast i appreciate your time and attention and kind consideration i would like you to uh Please subscribe and like the podcast. Share it with people you think might be interested in uh, what I'm talking about. And uh, again, thank you for your time. Keep training, and I will see you in the next episode. Kung Su. Thank you for listening to Tung Sudo Focus, a podcast on all things related to the martial art of Tung Sudo. This was episode three on warm-ups and stretching, and preparation for training. Please tune in for our next episode.